Number six. <clears throat> We're going to start at verse 24. Let's read it together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So that I will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Turn to the person next to you or if you've got a family of three or four, just gather around, look at each other. And um, you might not remember the scriptures, so you might have to look at the board. Now, now look, at, look at your... Waar gaan jy nou? Jy moet, oor, jy gaan vir hom. Ek, ek dog jy los jou pa. Okay, look at each other. Say the Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. And give you peace. So that I'll put my name on my family and I will bless them. But keep looking. Okay, but now we're going to do something different. We're going to do something different. I want you to say it and you'll see how hard it is to say. I'm going to reverse this. I'm going to reverse this. Say the Lord curse you. Can you say it? Try. Try. But you can't make eye contact, eh? <laughs> say the Lord curse you. Okay, you can't say it to your family. Say it to the... <laughs> say it to the guy who sold you... Your lawnmower that's not grafting anymore. <laughs> yeah, that Hoover salesman who came and knocked on your door. He said, that's the oak who sold me that thing. Just say the Lord curse you. You can't, eh? Well, let, let's try it. The Lord curse you. Can't say it. The Lord um, leave you. Uh, the Lord turn his face away from you. The Lord not be gracious to you. Impossible, eh? The Lord turn his face away from you. The Lord cause chaos in your life. We can't do it, and yet we curse people every week. We cuss people every week. I've become a taxi blesser. I've been studying this scripture. And so instead of them hooting first, I hoot first. <laughs> I promise you, I hoot. I just hoot behind the oak and when he rolls down, he went, I bless you, China. <laughs> and he doesn't know what to do. And he says, and bless you too. I said, 100%, my mate. And I think, what's wrong with that, Vitoke? You know, it's like. Okay, let's sit down. We're doing a series on Galatians. You can turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, please. <clears throat> nice to have you. Galatians 3 and verse 6. Consider Abraham. He believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. We've spent many weeks in that scripture. One of my friends said, when are you going to get away from it? I said, when everybody believes it. When everybody believes it. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The, the, the guys have come into the church in Galatia, they're saying we need a little bit of law, like a little bit of circumcision here, and stop smoking there, and, and a couple of, so they say, what, which commands must we obey? 
And Paul is saying, no, you either obey Jesus or you obey the law. It's not Jesus plus a little bit of the law. And the problem with Pretoria, it's Jesus plus a little bit of law. Whatever your culture says comes into this package and then Jesus loses his power. Because it's Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus church attendance. It's not Jesus plus tithing. It's just Jesus. Just by himself. It's not by your behavior. And so cursing can't affect you because we are living under Christ. Amen? Amen? Yes. You've got to understand this. And it is so difficult to get it into people's hearts because I think if I behave better, then there's more chance that God can bless me. Impossible. Impossible. And we take all those scriptures from Deuteronomy 28. For those who obey... These things will happen to you. For those who disobey these things, and we read those lists and think, well, if I just obey a little bit, then God will bless me. God only blesses you because of Jesus, not because of how you obey. You've got to understand that. Yeah? Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed. Say blessed. blessed. Not cursed. Blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. Any part of the law. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. You can't say, well, I'll take circumcision and I'll take the Sabbath and I'll take looking after my neighbor's dog, but, I, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave that one out and I'll pick this one. He said, if you're going to live under it, you're going to live under all two and a half thousand letters of that law. And if you don't obey one of them, you are under a curse. Yes. So don't bring religion into the gospel because you bring a curse into your life. Amen? Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us. Say Christ redeemed us. If, if you are here for the first time and the only thing that you want to take from this church service or if you've never been to a church service or if you've grown up in a traditional church, the gospel explained in three words is simply this. Christ redeemed us. You can remember nothing else about today. When you walk out of here, turn to your wife or your girlfriend and say this, Christ redeemed us. From the law from death, from sin, from religion, from a bad upbringing, from a disqualification, from you name it, Christ redeemed us. That is the gospel in three words. Christ redeemed us. From the curse of the law, 
by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And so you can't curse people, you can't say a curse because it seems so unnatural. And yet, friends, we can curse anybody that we ever have a gossiping conversation about. It's not right. We live under blessing and therefore what should come through our lives is blessing. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the people of 3CI through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So somebody said to me, Rory, you've been preaching on this for so long. What is the blessing of Abraham? Let's go to Romans 5. I will share just a few things as we have a break from Galatians after this. Full New Year. Let's go Galatians 4, if you've got your Bibles with you. If you haven't, um, under the law you are cursed. Under my preaching, you're blessed. Under wisdom, you're just dumb. You got it, eh? Awesome. Verse 22. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us. Turn to the person next to you and say, also for us. Also for us. To whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, say therefore. therefore. Now you know I've spoken about this, but these are the eight reasons or six reasons or seven reasons. Therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Let's unpack this. Number one, friends, what does it mean to live under Abraham? I have peace with God. I have peace with God. And when I have peace with God, peace starts to emanate from my life, and I start to have peace with everybody else, including the taxi drivers. Because instead of losing my... Joy with a man who's trying to make money and he's competing with 25,000 other taxi drivers to pay off his vehicle and so he has to take shortcuts and he's learned bad habits. Instead of me facilitating a curse, I release a blessing over him because I myself have been blessed and I have peace with God. And so I'm actually not anxious. And while anarchy takes place in Eskim and anarchy takes place around our lives, the blessing that has come upon my life is peace. I have peace with God. I went to go and speak. I had a privilege of speaking at a church the other day. 1,500 leaders at the church. They've got about a church of 10,000 people. And they've got 300 elders and wives. And we had a lunch because the church is turning 50 and the founder of the church is turning 80. And I was one of the guest speakers. But in those 300 leaders, one of them has entered into big sin, proper sin, like sin enough to come off the leadership team. But he's my friend. And the Bible says Jesus is the friend of sinners. So I phoned him and I said, hey, buddy, there's a leader's lunch for the, the inner circle of 300. Mel can't make it. Will you be my guest? He said, hey, Rory. He said, like, I'm like the black sheep there. I said, yeah, 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 but we're going through Galatians, bro. 
So you're going to come with me? He said, sure, it's going to be awkward. I said, you won't believe how awkward it's going to be <laughs> for me. <laughs> I don't want to be known because of your sin. But Jesus said, I'm the friend of sinners. He said, I've not come for the righteous. I've come for the, for the lost. I've come for the sinner. And so I picked this guy up and we're driving. I said to him, just tell me about your dad. Because it always comes down to the dad, eh? I mean, I, I, an atheist came to see me this week. He's got a double master's degree from university. And he sat down with me and said, I'm an atheist. I said, why are you sitting here? He said, I thought I'd talk to you about my atheism. I said, you like a, like a canned fish. Well, I'll shoot you stone dead. I specialize in oaks like you. <laughs> so he starts talking. I said, how did you get to atheism? He says, well, I'm really clever. And I, I worked out in my head that God doesn't exist. So I said, do you think you're the cleverest guy in the world? He says, no. I said, well, there are much cleverer men than you that have also worked out in their mind that God does exist. So I said, well, let's start there. You're not that clever. <laughs> and so I started with my mate. I thought, you're not that dirty either. So now we drive and said, tell me about your dad. And he just started to cry because he's got a dad issue, because his dad wasn't there. And he, he, he sinned because, because he doesn't know how to act like a son. So we walk into this lunch of 300 leaders, and we're celebrating the 80th birthday of the founder of the church that is now 50 years old. And we walk in there, and it's a little bit awkward, and they seat us at the main table, and they seat my friend who's the sinner next to the guest of honor. Now we are sitting there, but the speaker, so I'm sitting here, he's sitting next to me, and the guest of honor is sitting at the head of the table. But the speakers or the speakers are sitting behind me, are standing behind me. So we have to turn our chairs around, and all the sons of 50 years of the church get up and honor the father, but between the father and the sons is the sinner. And as they're speaking to the father, it's like they're speaking to him. So I got into the car and I said, what did you feel? He said, geez, they were like all talking to me. Like I've led this unbelievable life for 50 years. Like I'm this unbelievable leader. Like I'm this unbelievable carer. And I thought that's what peace of God looks like. They get stuck between the father and the son having a conversation. So I don't know where your life is today. But I want to tell you, you live under the blessing of the words between the father and the son over your life. Amen. It's like you get stuck. You think, how did I get here? That's grace. That's grace. Amen? I don't care what words are over your life. When you understand that you're between the Father and the Son talking about blessing and justification and credited righteousness, you will eventually understand that you have peace in your heart. It says we have gained access. Say we've gained access. I don't, you, you, you don't know everybody in the church, but that man who baptized his two children today, that black man, he was a Robben Island prisoner. And when I was preparing this week, I, I, I didn't know he was baptizing his children today. When I prepared this week, I thought, you know, it's, it's quite a thing to, well, I don't know. But can you imagine, everybody spends 11 months saving up money to go to Cape Town to have a holiday, to go to the waterfront, to go up Table Mountain, and you're stuck on Robin Island and you can see Table Mountain every day, but you've got no access to it. 
And every boat that comes in, you think, can I get on the boat? Say, no, you can't get on the boat because you're a prisoner of this island. Because later on in Galatians 3, it says, you are a prisoner of the law. The law holds you captive. And so you can see the mountain. You can see the waterfront where people come from all over the world to come to the waterfront. You can see the waterfront, but you've got no access. That's the blessing. Are you with me? Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You've heard me preach about many times. I do not believe Christians should be buckled over. I don't think anything should buckle you over. We stand in the grace of God. And the credited righteousness, however stupid you are, and my life is listening to people's stupid decisions. And when they walk in and say, I've been really stupid, I say, you need to draw on the credited righteousness of Christ. I can stand at that door sometimes on a Sunday. I can smell the alcohol on your breath. But I would much rather you hear with a Saturday night bubble us to hear about the credited righteousness of Christ than sitting at your house eating egg and bacon. And instead of buckling under the weight of your stupidity or excess last night, you'll come here and hear about Christ who will eventually you'll understand how to stand up straight. The law gets written inside of our hearts so that preachers don't have to bring judgment onto you. Are you with me? And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Say rejoice. rejoice. Say hope. hope. Say glory. glory. And Mr. Zuma started a political party and somebody else has done something and somebody else has done something. We are separate from it, friends. I'm under the blessing of Abraham, and I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Amen. I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I don't rejoice in South Africa right now. I don't rejoice in the fact that MK are launching a political party of which that man was part of MK. I rejoice in the hope of of the glory Amen. of God. Beautiful. If you can put that picture up for me, please. That photograph. The one of the doctor. Stephen and Jaira and Noah are sitting on our left. That's little Gemma. 12 or 13 days ago, her kidneys failed. She went from 42 kilograms to 70. That doctor is a specialist pediatric kidney doctor. The doctor who diagnosed her is sitting in our church this morning. One of my kids said to me, because I've prayed for that little girl, Every day of my life for 10 years. He said, Dad, do you not become despondent when you've prayed for people for so long and they still get sick? It's Joshua, my son-in-law. Why don't you stand, Josh? It's my son-in-law. Eight months ago, his mum got diagnosed with radical cancer. 
beautiful lady, God-fearing lady, church-going lady, Christ-following lady, righteousness of God lady, credited by Abraham lady, incredible father, served God, loved God, brought up their children in the ways of the Lord, and she got cancer. Her name is Deanne. If you ask Josh now, has the cancer been good for your mum or bad for your mum? It's been good for her mum. Because you know, she said to my phone, I said, Dee, how are you doing? She said, Rory, I needed this because I was a far away from Jesus. She said, I've got close to Jesus. And you know, when that plan happened, everybody sprang into action. Josh was going to fly down for the one chemo. And the sister was going to fly down for the next chemo. And then Deanne said, no, I need to have chemo by myself with Jesus. I need to go on a journey with Jesus. Suffering, friends, is not God who's let go of us. Suffering is part of the credited righteousness of Jesus. So that we can understand the depths of what is happening. I don't think there's a family I love more. Put the photograph up. Don't worry about me. I don't know if there's a family I love more than the Dollenberg family. I love them. He's my preaching partner. But now God has taken the Dollenbergs. I don't believe God causes suffering. He's taken them into a season of suffering. And I'm standing on the side and everything inside of me wants to rescue them. But inside of the scripture is a theology of suffering that will teach us about Jesus. And, and, and sometimes it's going to be fun and Stephen and Kath are allowed into the ward and there was one moment that if she doesn't get a kidney urgently, so Noah and Jairo were in the ward and I went in there and I said, okay guys, let's draw lots about who's going to give our kidney. But you know, Kathy's had a, 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 a journey with her dad. She's had a tough journey with her dad. Her dad's a surgeon in Belgium. And it's been a tough journey where, dad, where, where Kathy, instead of her dad pursuing Kathy, Kathy's pursued her dad for years, has pursued her dad. And then she gets a phone call from her dad saying, Kath, I've sent my blood in to get checked. Because if my kidney matches, I will give my kidney to my granddaughter. You would not get the access into the depths of his heart unless we understand that in suffering, which I don't believe is caused by God, we don't throw credited righteousness and blessing away. We embrace it as a journey. So this is what it says. Now we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know, we are absolutely convinced, Gemma and Stephen and Kathy and Chara, that suffering produces perseverance. Yes. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Yes. And hope does not disappoint us. Let's put that picture on again, please. Wouldn't you love to live under the care of a doctor like that? I do. I can spot you anyway, doctor. 
I can spot you in a crowd anytime. I know exactly when you come to this church on Sundays. Because to live under your care is an incredible blessing. You know what that doctor's doing to Gemma? She's a Christian doctor. Her daughter had leukemia. And she took her daughter through leukemia. And God has given that woman as a gift to Gemma now to take her through kidney failure. There's dialysis now, but we're trusting God for a miracle so they don't need to have a transplant. But I can tell you what's busy happening in Stephen's heart and in Jaira's heart and in Noah's heart. I can tell you what's happening in my heart. I just want to rescue them. But we've got to journey with them. We've got to cry with them. We've got to stand with them. We've got to pray with them. But we've also got to stand back and watch as God starts to develop character and perseverance and hope. So when he stands up and preaches... It's not stories that he's listened to on the internet, but a journey that he's taken his family on so that somebody who visits here on church on Sunday doesn't just hear, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. It says, even in suffering, I will bless you. Otherwise, I start cursing. And there are too many people cursing because of suffering, saying, where are you, God? He's in the middle of it. He's in the middle of it. Credited righteousness, standing up straight, peace with God, access into the throne room, from Robin Island to the top of Table Mountain, and next to Gemma, in the form of a black doctor who specialized in pediatric kidneys. Amen? Credited righteousness is a gift. And a blessing. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out. Say poured out. Poured out. His love into our hearts. By the Holy Spirit. Whom he has given to us. Let's close your eyes please. <laughs> Heavenly Father. I pray this Christmas time that you would pour out your love into our hearts. You would pour out your love into our hearts. I think of the gravy that will be poured. I think of the drinks that will be poured. I think of the water that will fill the pools that will be poured. I think of the wine that will be poured. I think of the custard that will be poured. And I pray that everything that gets poured at Christmas time, We'll remember this scripture, Lord God, that part of the blessing of living under Abraham is we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. We have access into His holy place. We have hope that is not dependent on the ANC or the MK party. We can handle suffering because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope and I know Lord God that the Dollenbergs as a family will stand in front of this community with hope in their hearts that has been forged in a fire and they will not speak of the badness of God they will not curse or cuss they will bless those who themselves are suffering and I pray mighty God that you would Pour out 
you would pour out, pour out your love into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.